1: Good day to you, uh, my fellow spinning plate person. How are you? Uh, I hope you had a good week. I'm currently out. Oh, for goodness' sake! It's very inconsiderate. I'm trying to record something for my podcast. <gasps> um, I'm out walking with Mickey. We're off to go and meet Grandma for a dog walk, um, and uh, the sun is shining, so we're covered in sunscreen. This week's guest is an amazing woman she's called Yvonne Telford and her company is called Kemi Telford um, she um, primarily it's a clothing company beautiful bold often voluminous bright dresses often in Nigerian prints they are extrovert and gorgeous and colorful um, pretty joyful clothing actually and would you believe it the woman behind it Yvonne is a pretty gorgeous, colourful, joyful person too. Um, Her story is one I've been so excited to share with you since I first recorded it because I'm gonna be a bit bold here and say I'm pretty sure some people who listen to this conversation is gonna change their life. Why do I say such a bold thing, I hear you say, but what happened to hers? And after she'd been a stay-at-home mom until her kids were her two daughters when they were seven and five, She watched something on the Oprah Winfrey Show, which she will share with you, and, uh, yeah, it changed everything. And I kind of feel like it might do that for someone who listens today. Um, She, uh, she's exactly the sort of person I wanted to interview for, Spinning Plates, because she sort of turned her life around. She had, after she had her first baby, she sort of didn't really know who she was for a long time. And I think that can happen so easily. You kind of think, how do I go back to the woman I was before I had a baby? Is that the woman I want to be? Was I a happy woman then? Where do I go from here? So, uh, yeah, it's going to inspire you, I think. Um, Her daughters are now 12 and 10. And I went to meet her in her clothing warehouse, actually, surrounded by folded, beautiful clothing, which was a nice environment. Before I start the conversation, I just want to say thank you for all the messages I've had since last week's episode. Last week was me talking to my mum. Um and a lot of you uh shared your stories of um your closeness with your own mum, but also your stories of grief because uh my stepdad died very recently, so I'm spending a lot of time with family at the moment, as I often do anyway, but we're all keeping an eye on each other and I just wanna let you know that the stories you've shared with me have been really, really comforting. Um so thank you very much. I've tried to respond to as many messages as I could but I am reading each and every one of them so thank you very very much anyway oh yeah you can see the river now can't you Mickey gonna go and feed some ducks maybe actually they're not I haven't got any bread might have a coffee though all right lots of love have a good day and enjoy your chat bye so we're sat here in in your warehouse everyone surrounded by billions of beautiful bits of clothing. Thank you for letting me in here today. Um, in the sort of uh, state of where we're at in history, we're still emerging out of lockdown, aren't we? So we've kept our one metre distance. Um, <laughs> we've brought our own disinfectant, um, producer Claire and I. Um, <laughs> but we're sort of mo- merging into a new world. You, how have you been finding everything? Are you busier than ever, do you think? or Well, yes, you are. I've got no staff I here. I
2: am really busy, even apart from the staff. I don't know what happened, but lockdown for me has been good for me personally and has been good for my business. Um, we, we are doing more than hundred percent if there's anything like that in sales. So it's been nonstop. Um, so for me, I think people being at home discovered the the brand online. Mm. So, um, it's been really busy. It's, for me, it's been good. And personally, it's good for me because I'm an introvert. I'm quite introverted. So, um, yeah, so it's good. And I like my kids and I like my husband. You can love somebody <laughs> and not like them. Definitely. So for me, it's been, you know, it's been good.
1: Yeah, I keep saying that in our house as well. We're very lucky that we actually all like each other. Yeah. I think it's a, quite a crucial thing if you suddenly find that they are the only faces you see yeah. for a really long time. So at the moment, when I spoke to you earlier in the week to arrange our date for today um and this is the first time we've met but as yes. like we spoke you said you were fulfilling I think it was 300 orders by yourself that yeah. day yeah have you been getting on with that kind of stuff I have no
2: choice but to get on with it mm. um it takes a lot of not getting distracted and I let people know that I'm busy mm. so I don't take phone calls, I just just get on with it. Mm-hmm. And the days that my daughters come here, I get them involved. Immediately they finish their work. I think it's quite important for them mm. to get involved. They can't just sit down there and expect me to be fulfilling orders and they're sitting there not doing anything, so... I sort of sometimes bribe them or bully them <laughs> or, or blackmail them oh, into all the bees.
1: <laughs> <laughs> bribery blackmail and bullying you know
2: into helping me so mm. they're good girls and they do so yeah um yeah today I think I've got to do like maybe 200 to 250 wow but we'll be fine
1: yeah no I, I have complete <laughs> faith in you I can see you're a bit of a powerhouse because so where are we at now? It's sort of mid-morning, I think around 11 o'clock, but you've been up for quite a while, I think.
2: Yes, um, every day I have to wake up between 4, 4.30 to start my day, wow. or everything gets behind. Were you always
1: have... like that, early riser?
2: Um, not really, because after I had my kids, I made that decision that I would start my day at a certain time, just to have my me time. You know, as a mom, mm-hmm. you just never have your me time. Yeah. Middle you wake up as a woman, as a mom, everything falls on you. Yeah. It never falls on the man, you know, it's just the woman. So for me, in order for me to have that me time, I made that decision and to look after myself. I just made that decision. I'd be waking up that early to exercise, to read. I don't do a lot of reading nowadays, but to read now, to speak to my suppliers in China, India and Nigeria, you know, to speak to them at that time before I come
1: to work. So, when you get up at half four, what time do you actually start work? Do you think when do you actually normally I get on the phone or come here?
2: I get here for nine fifteen because okay. so you've
1: already been up for quite a while by then. Yeah,
2: so uh, nine fifteen, the postman, Royal Mill, brings returns here. So by nine fifteen, they're here waiting for me. Um, the DHL man might get here at nine fifteen. Um, by nine fifteen, whatever I'm doing, I have to be here. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's when I sat work here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm quite fascinated by the idea of getting up really early, actually, because I think that idea of that space and that time to yourself is really precious. And I, I think I read that you said that when, when your girls were little, if they'd wake up during that time, your, your time, you'd pass them back to their dad. are like, oh, yeah. no, no, I really need this.
2: <laughs> so when I noticed that, when I wake up in, the, in very early, which is meant to be my time, I'm sacrificing sleep mm. just to have my time. And when my daughters, they were quite young, when they wake up at that time, I made it really clear to them. When you wake up, please don't come looking for me. Go and look for your father. And when they come to me, I just send them back to their father. Mm. You know, I, I wanted them to know that is my time. After then, then you can come to me. And up to now, they still do that. They wouldn't come to me. They'll go to their father. Now that they're older, they'll pick up a book and lie on yeah. the sofa. They'll just say, good morning, lie on the sofa and do their thing. But, but when they they're little. Wouldn't, yeah, but when they were little, no, they wouldn't dare come to me.
1: I think that's really smart because I think uh, one thing that lockdown seemed to sort of really magnify was whatever family dynamic you have. And I think if um, in your home, you're like probably what most women, very accessible to your children at all times and work is where you go to get the time away from them or anything else you might do, going to get your coffee, whatever space you find in the day. Yeah. If you don't have that as an intrinsic part of your home life, once everything else is shut and taken away, there's no way to suddenly instill that.
2: I I, 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 I agree. For me, I think as my daughters are getting older they are beginning to understand, I think because they've always seen me give myself time, Mm. um, they are beginning to understand that there's some time that will not just come to me. Yeah. They'll they'll go to their father. Like now, schoolwork, they go to their father. Um, When they need something done, they go to their father because I've explained it to them that eight years of my life was given to them... Nothing else interrupted that eight years. So now that I've started my business, they need to respect the fact. And I helped their father's um, career grow at the same time because I was just the one at home, no help, just me and the girls looking after. I was looking after them. He was still going to work and his career was, you know, was growing while mine took a standstill. Yeah. So for me right now, there's no compromise there's a problem please go to your father except you know is maybe something you can discuss with your father like a period or something yeah then come to me yeah um, or you need new clothes come to me something that a woman would get involved but every other thing yeah go 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 to your father yeah. he should be part of it as well
1: yeah well it's so i trying to think there's a lot to unpick there because you mentioned about the eight years that you gave to them yeah and so that was eight years when you were raising your girls and you didn't work and you weren't doing anything else. So the whole getting up at four am and everything that was not part of those that time was that. Or
2: the, the, the eight, the, the the waking up at four am actually started when my daughter was about one. Okay. I was I was becoming I don't know something happens when you become a. It's mom. your first child. My first daughter. Something happens when you become a mom. You start to question a lot of things. Mm. You go through this period where yes, you have a baby but you're not really fulfilled. For me, you I was not really fulfilled as, I I guess because my role sort of changed from a career woman and I started pushing prams. I couldn't drive then, you know. So everywhere I was going, I had this baby Mm. that just took over everything. And thankfully for me, that was when I started working towards discovering myself who is Yvonne because my career if you notice when you have a career you never step back to sort of question is this what I'm meant to be doing anyway you just do it so for me being able lucky enough to be able to stay at home gave me that time to sort of think what do i want to do who who am i yeah you know what is my purpose because we all have purpose you know when as long as you're alive you're burning this into this world yeah you have a purpose so for me at that particular time you know when she was one i i was very unhappy and i had to step back to find out why i was unhappy and that's when i started the one uh the 4 a.m waking up um, to sort of find time for myself and to give me headspace to question a lot of things. Yeah. So it was that process that got me here, Yeah. where, where I am right now.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely understood. I was quite shocked, I think, when I had my first baby to find how homogenising a lot of the parental experience was. I, I felt <laughs> like I was... I, again, I didn't know who I was either, and I yeah. felt... I'd find myself I don't know why but it's always for me crystallized in in places like soft plays where you're yeah. sat there and you think I don't the only reason I'm here is to supervise my small person yeah. going in and out the balls and down tubes yeah. and I feel completely like a blank person I could be anybody I've brought nothing of me in here I'm just th- that person's supervisor while yeah. we're in here yeah. and it's noisy and I can't really do anything else and yeah. for me that's always the place I think of where I just feel like it's not even an interpretation of being a parent. Is you're just sort of, a, yeah, like you're, just just, you're just existing. You just existing. And you're, yes. you're
2: not even existing for yourself. You're existing for that child.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: So you sort of lose part of you. You don't even know. I guess most of us actually go into being parents without knowing who we are.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: We we go into it, and I think motherhood is a fantastic thing because if we tap into it properly, it brings out if we've not discovered who we are before we went into it motherhood sort of brings that out in the in us and some of us have the guts yes to you know step into that lane of who we are or we just go back to the old thing and it becomes worse because now you've got somebody else you're taking care of and you're living the life that you're not, you know, that doesn't
1: fulfill you exactly. And then you can get things like resentment and stuff exactly. that just lies there for a really long time and exactly solidifies. And you don't might not even know that's what that is, and so you start chipping away from it. Like yeah. it's <laughs> like when you hear people, when you think, What are you going to do when your kids leave home? It's just so important to have something that's your own, your own world. It doesn't have to be anything big and dramatic, yeah, it can be tending your garden or the friendships you keep or anything that's precious to you, yeah. really. But I've definitely think there'll be lots of people that that really resonates with that idea of having a child and thinking, I don't really know exactly who I am. And hmm. suddenly this small person in front of you sort of refracts everything yeah. don't they? then it's sort of split into all the colors, of the spectrum and you think I don't even really know which part of me is the bit yeah. I should be exaggerating here or leading the way. And it definitely is a time for a lot of self-reflection. If you have the opportunity to yeah. think, which you also don't necessarily tell <laughs> with the sleep deprivation, everything that comes along with the beginning. Um I mean, back in in March, when I started getting together a list of people to to talk to for for this podcast for, for spinning plates i you were always on my list because i 'm so inspired by what you 've done with your with your business um, and this is before I even actually knew that you used to be. Uh, so it was a is it a risk analysis yeah no. a risk
2: analyst okay. yes i used to be a risk analyst
1: okay so that's very different world to this completely different completely free that that was
2: something i fell into I, I i came into i came to england 1996 and the first job i did you don't even want to know the first job i did i was a care assistant for one day okay <laughs> i never went back I did not even resign. I can remember going for that interview. And in Nigeria, you don't look... I can remember going for the interview and the, 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 the lady, I think it was a lady interviewing me, said, you're not looking at me. Why are you lying? You know, because in Nigeria, you don't look at people's... You don't look into people's eyes. It's considered rude. So I didn't have that culture... You know, of looking into people's eyes. Yeah. So anytime I went for an interview, you know, um, that used to happen. But going back, I forgot the question you asked me.
1: I was just talking about how different your world was when you were doing your, your yes, risk so analyst. Yes, so the credit
2: analyst thing is completely different. Mm. Every job I've done is completely different yeah. from what I've done now. But one thing that is something that links all the jobs together is the making of mistakes... You know, it's the hard work. Mm. There's so many things that are sort of. It's not. I, I worked in Harrods. I worked in. Um, I worked in um, a fashion shop. So everything that I've done has actually brought me here because I've taken bits and pieces of everything I've learned mm. from my previous job, and I brought it here. So for me, it's not nothing is a mistake. Everything that I've done has actually taught me a skill
1: that has brought me here yeah it's all informed yes. the end result
2: the end result so yeah. I, I know how to deal with customers i know how to um speak to people i know how to there's so many things that i've learned yeah. in my previous jobs yeah so but yes that world was completely different from this from what i'm doing now
1: it's, I did actually read something recently, I don't know if you'd agree with this, it was saying that they think that small businesses actually, as a result of lockdown and how, how the economies have changed I everything, actually that's the place where it'll really thrive because it has got that connection with people. Because sometimes the sort of big businesses don't know how to read how people are really yeah. feeling and the sort of that ability to be um, really reactive to what's going on and how consumers are feeling and all that really matters right now probably more than ever.
2: Yes, it does. I'll tell you, like, I'm not one to send out newsletters um, with my business. I I, I just don't have the time. And I don't want to bombard people with emails. So I've not sent a newsletter in the last, I think, two and a half months. The the newsletter that I sent out last was just to find out how the people that subscribe to it, the the women in my community, I don't even see them as customers anymore. I see them as... um, a community I Mm. sent an email to them just to find out how are you guys you know are you keeping well and I explained to them what we're doing how we are supporting our suppliers because most big brands had cancelled their orders but for me I just couldn't do that Mm. because I have a personal relationship with my suppliers I know their wives I know their kids and I just thought, how can I support them? Mm. You know, so I couldn't do that to them. That's
1: very unique, isn't it? To have that, to actually know the chain in that way.
2: Yeah, I I, I think because when you speak to people every day, you sort of build a relationship where, you know, you know, um, you sort of know what's going on with them, what's going on with their family at well. And throughout the lockdown, um, I, I was calling them like maybe twice a week if I don't hear from them. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're, like, part of my family because they've helped my business grow as well. Yeah. So I call them. And this is something that I think the big brands don't do. No. It's like a business kind of relationship. Very much so. But I have, like, a personal relationship with my suppliers and with some of my customers. Yeah. Not all of them because now it's such a big business that I, I wouldn't know all of them. But the ones that have been there from... When I started, I know my story. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're like... So for me, I think this is the best place to be, a small brand, um, during lockdown.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny because I'm one of the people on your on your email list, so I get your Oh, you are you? I am. And <laughs> you know what's funny is when I receive the emails, I always forget at first that they are from come from a business because you have this tone that i was always very very um personable and conversational and it'll always feel such a you see i'm black sorry i had to interrupt it i can't i i feel like blushing (laughs) honestly but i'm a black woman you can't see me (laughs) blushing that's a bonus when i blush it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) but um no it's true i'll read them and i'll think I, I thought, oh, no, it's... Which leads me to the next thing. How many people think you're called Kemi, and why is it Kemi Telford?
2: Oh, dear. Okay, so, with a... Niger, with, speak to any Nigerian, they will tell you that when you're born, your parents give you a lot of names, depending on what is going on in their lives at that particular time. Okay. So, for my sister, her name is Oluare Milekun, which means God has stopped me from having tears... Because my mother, before be, before my mother had her, she had a lot of miscarriages. So when she finally had a child, she called her that name. Then the people around her would come and give the child a name as well, based on what is going on in their lives. Oh, wow. So a child might have like five, six names. You know, if you hear somebody called Babatunde, that's a Nigerian name, which means father is back. That is because a male has died in that family at that particular time. So anywhere that child goes, it shows you, you will know the meaning as a Nigerian. So every Nigerian name has a meaning. With me, I'm the third... Yeah, I'm the, the third daughter, the third child. My mother had six kids. So I am Mutupe Oluwa Kemi. So it, it just goes on. Mm-hmm. I gave myself Yvonne. Okay, so that's not one of your. It's not one of my names. So names. when I got baptized in church, they asked us, what name would you like? And I, I can remember the first time I heard Yvonne. I thought, it sounds really chic really French, <laughs> you know, I was in Nigeria then, really French. And I gave myself Yvonne, you know, but with the name Kemi, Kemi is one of my name, which means God look after me.
1: Okay. So, so it was like
2: a Kemi. prayer that my mom, after she had the first one, she had the second one. I'm sure at the back of her mind, she was still thinking, I might lose one of my kids. So she gave me Olua Kemi and When I was looking for the name for my brand, I thought, what is it that's going to stand out? And I just took my husband's name and Mm -hmm. I've told him several times, I'm going to drop that name pretty soon, Telford. (laughs) (laughs) So I took my husband's name, Telford and Kemi Telford. I can remember. It just came really easily.
1: Yeah. Do you think oh. it was important to you that it had that mix of uh, your sort of Nigerian heritage and your husband's name and your sort of... Or is that not even something you're it, thinking it, it, about?
2: You know, everything that I've done, I've not thought about it. Everything that I've done, I've just gone with my gut instincts. Yeah. I've, I, don't, I don't think too much about things. The only thing I think a lot about are my daughters, their health. Every other thing, I just think, yes, it can be taken away at any time. So I don't sort of people ask, so what are your goals? What what are your plans for your business? I have no plans. Um I think if I have like plans in place and it gets taken away from me, mm. then I sort of get into like a hole. So I, I just don't plan things. So going back to the name, I just thought, it. you know, everybody will be able to say Kemi Telford compared to my first name, which is Mudukwe, you know, Nobody can pronounce their modukbe. You know, you, you need that Nigerian twist. Even Nigerians can't pronounce it. So <laughs> so I had to look for something really easy for people. So luckily, it's actually worked out well. Yeah. But people call me Kemi. You see, some people would send me emails and say Kemi. And they will come back and say, oh, I'm really sorry, Yvonne. I'm thinking it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Well, it is part of your name, I suppose, but I think it's wonderful you chose Yvonne because it's uh, chic and French. (laughs) I think you're right, it is.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right.
1: um so you were born and raised in nigeria yes. um so you're one of six did you say yes um so you're third in the line yes the the lost child <laughs> is that what you'd say for the third
2: yeah the third child is a lost child you know oh no the first two How are bonded I to my third? okay <laughs> the first two are bonded mm-hmm. you know and then you just appear yeah and the last two are going to bond so where are you
1: oh no yeah you're right <laughs> okay i'll go home and tell ray <laughs> I've sort of tried to sell it to him that he's the heart of the family. That's, yeah, you're laughing at me. Okay, fine. I'm enough. laughing at it's you. It's going to work for a while, isn't it? But then he's going to be like, hang on a minute. Until when he gets older, <laughs> yeah. then he starts to question you. Yeah, I know. Um, so do Do you think that your upbringing... Were you raised by working parents? Did your, did your mum work? My mum... It's an odd one. My mum
2: worked. She ran... She, she was a teacher for a while, then... She now started this business where she sold alcohol, but in, um, how would I put it? Wholesale. So she was like, a, oh, wow. okay. so she had like a big warehouse where pubs and beer, we, call, we don't call them pubs. Mm. Pubs is very English. We call them beer parlor, okay. you know, where you go in the mm. evening, you sit down with your friends outside. Um, so those people would come to her. She was like a main distributor. And yeah, she did that. That was the only thing I saw. So you used to but, go there to
1: the warehouse sometimes? Yeah,
2: I used after school. But my father is a businessman. My father has always been a businessman.
1: But for me, I never really learned anything from them. Um, Do you think you've ever spoken to someone who might want to have a business yourself one day? Was that ever a sort of put on the table as an option to you? Or it was more just about getting a job and finding a decent job? And
2: It's, a, it's always been because my father wanted to be a lawyer... And he never had the money to go to university or to even complete his education. So he wanted to live his dream through me Mm. because he felt I was a talkative. He felt I was the bold one. So he was like, go and study law. So... I can remember when I came to England, I, wanted, I, I went back to study law, even though then I discovered that that wasn't what I wanted to do, oh, wow. but to please my father. And it was so easy for me to make that decision because it was an easy decision. I didn't want to sort of rock the boat. Yeah. So I went back to do what I'd always known.
1: So you you came to the UK because of the law to study law that was when you I was already studying
2: law in Nigeria and I dropped everything to come here. Uh, uh, but you got to start up again to, to start up again which is now my daughter sort of ask me why did you do that? Mm. But but I always say this to people the universe has a way of leading your steps. Now looking back where did I have the audacity to leave my family to come to England to stay with an aunt I don't even know yeah you know the audacity of having only 250 pounds my father didn't want me to come but my stepmother wanted me to come because that was a way of getting rid of me I was like a pain to her so the audacity of leaving the security of my home to come to England that was cold you know I I don't know so yeah for me looking back now I think my steps were led I didn't know where it was leading me to yeah but it's not a mistake that I'm here it's not a mistake that I'm speaking to you right now
1: no I, well I think whenever you find yourself especially because you clearly love what you do and you're so passionate about about what you do I think whenever you look back you can always see these little tiny threads that all kind yeah. of led to where you are at now but at the time it it doesn't make sense it doesn't make any sense you, you don't yeah. even
2: know why you're doing it you're just doing it
1: yeah i know sometimes as you say it's like a bit of instinct and maybe um maybe even though you've described yourself as an introvert it doesn't mean you're not capable of doing really bold strong things hmm. you know they're not actually mutually incompatible yeah. you know you can be a very a very strong person who doesn't feel the need to tell everybody about yeah. that and maybe being the third one down as well meant that you could kind of go a bit like well there's going to be other kids. They're going to be doing... They can, they can take on the mantle if they want of, of doing the thing that they're expected to do, but I kind of need to do my own thing a little yeah. bit. Mm, yeah. You can be a little bit hidden away as well. You can be a bit more secretive, maybe, yeah. if you're not the firstborn or the baby or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, do, you, do you, is your family all still in Nigeria then? My... So, my... I have
2: a younger brother who is in America. is in New York at the moment. Oh, well. Then I have... Oh, okay. Let's start from the first room <laughs> Remy died 2 years ago. Um that's the first child. Then Landry was in Angola. She's moved back to Nigeria. Um then me, then Akin, uh, we it, it, so many things have happened. Akin died 6 months after Remy. Oh, I'm so that's
1: sorry. My brother. You know, that's two fine. siblings.
2: No, no but, but it's it's for me, it doesn't really um yes, um yes, they are not here anymore, but like Remy led an amazing life, so she left when she was meant to leave, living her own legacy do you understand, so yeah, of course, it would be disappointing if she didn't achieve anything for herself, yes, she didn't have kids because kids would have brought complication into who is going to look after the kids, yeah. You know, the kids like me, my mother died when I was young and there was no, it was just my dad looking after us. So I know what happens when the mother of children are not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Their life sort of changes because as much as their father would love them, it's not the same as a mother. So it changes everything. It could make the children very determined because of what they will go through and they will achieve so much, or it will make them, um, it, they might lead a, a sad life. There's depending on the temperament thing. of the child. Yeah. Depending on what the child. So for me, it's not really, um, it's, everything, I've, everything that's happened to me
0: mm-hmm.
2: has happened for, for, for me. That means I can sort of empathize with people. I can sort of relate to people's pains. And that actually ties into my brand mm-hmm. because I can, mm-hmm. I can sort of pick up on people's pain and sort of talk to them. That's why when I share stories on Instagram, you know, which is my main platform, people, people get it. Mm. So everything that happens, good or bad can sort of work for you so but going back to my siblings my so for is in uh, Nigeria then Femi is the last one in America so there are four of us left now out of the six yeah. sorry I went on a <laughs>
1: no no it's 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 fascinating I think I think you're right that I think that's maybe what um is so powerful about what you've done with your brand is that actually it's so clearly not just a brand it's 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 kind of um, I don't know if armor is the right word, but there's clearly a, a spirit and a message alongside what you're hoping the person who ends up wearing your things, how it's helping them live their life. Yeah, and the fact that you felt that you got to you know have your first baby and then thought I don't really know what I've been what I'm trying to do with myself and who I am, and you know you've obviously tried different hats with different careers and. Had a big upheaval with leaving your home country and moving somewhere new, but there's all these. Every time you kept sort of turning the page, okay, there's another blank canvas, another blank canvas, and in a way, mother had kind of picked up another one. Okay, mm-hmm. right, what do I do here? Where do I start? And how do I fill in this this big picture I've now got in front of me? It's, um, I think it's really powerful. I think it's really evident as well in in your in your post. I think social media is a funny thing because it can be somewhere that's very. Very flippant and 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 silly, but it can also, and I think we've seen massively in the last few months, be a place that's a really important point of communication and reaching out to people, and definitely for me, um, my Instagram became something that was much more significant in keeping in touch with people, way more than I'd ever thought of it before, yeah. um, and that's that's really special. And all those little, every time someone, I don't know, posts something where they've shared a bit of their story back to something you might share. Is like someone smiling at you in the street or, you know, making room for you to sit down somewhere or, you know, just an unexpected kindness, kind exchange with a stranger. It's, it's, it became, it took the place of that because all of that was gone. Yeah. So it is really significant, I think. Um, So when you were having your, your first baby, do you, do you think that you've already felt like you had ideas of having this business or was it still... (laughs) No. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> no. I mean, you can hear from that laughter. To be honest
2: with you, I was lost. I, I was just lost because my previous, what I was doing, being a credit risk analyst, getting up, getting dressed, wearing really fabulous clothes to go to work mm. w- and carrying the most expensive handbags because I had no kids then was just my thing. That was what covered up all my baggage that I had to deal with. Yeah. Yeah you know and when the when my daughter was born i couldn't carry an expensive bag to push the pram where do you put the bag? you know on the shoulder and push the pram it, it just yeah. doesn't work you know you can't wear high heels you can't you just trainers you know your body changes except for you i don't know what's going on with you you oh, look amazing <laughs> i'm actually <You>
1: know?
2: <laughs> i'm actually dressed a bit like
1: andy pandy today i think i don't know if you know andy pandy like very like quaint english like childhood books it's sort of, yeah it's not necessarily you, a file
2: you know Michael. but but the thing is you you that's when all the question starts to come in okay i can't stress like this anymore that 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 is taken away from you but a choice you made because a choice to have a child
1: yeah yeah. You
2: know, But when the child is here, the child actually takes more away from you. You can't look the way you used to look. Your body changes. Yeah. So who am I? So you start to question. For me, I just felt that part of me, the handbags and everything, are gone. Yeah. I don't even know when I'm going to carry them again. These clothes don't fit anymore. I don't know when I'm going to wear them again. Yeah. So what's next? And. Something really weird happened. I remember daytime TV. Oprah used to be on TV there. I sat down, I was watching her. My daughter was in, she she was playing. And there was a woman that came on the show. And the woman said something that hit me. She said, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you need to say to yourself is, I love you. And I thought, that's a bit crazy. Why would you want to tell yourself, I love you? And... It kept on playing in my mind. I woke up the next morning, that's when I made the decision that's gonna, you know, i, I was waking up at 4 a.m. That very day, the next morning, I woke up and I did something odd. So, we live in a townhouse, we sleep on the top floor. So, I came to the Middle floor, which is just a living space, went to the ground floor, which is like a bathroom with this big mirror. And I stripped naked and I looked in the mirror at the person looking at me. This is really weird. And for the first time, I saw somebody I had not I'd never seen before looking back at me, me, my reflection. So. I've been so busy ignoring me. Mm. And all I had done is just, you know, put a bit of makeup on, get dressed, but I'd never really taken time to look at myself in the mirror and say, Yvonne, actually, you're not bad looking. Actually, you're fabulous. Actually, I love you. I remember looking at that image of myself in the mirror and I ran out of the bathroom. I couldn't look at her. I just couldn't do it because that was a stranger. And it took years of doing the same thing for me to get to know that woman. And that is another thing that has led me here. You know, taking the time in the morning just to go through that process, it took almost seven months for me to be able to look at myself in the mirror, straight in my eyes. And the first time I did it, I cried because I'd never seen me before. So if I don't see me, how do I expect people to see me? If I can tell myself I love you, how can I really tell my daughter I love you? It just doesn't work. How can I tell my husband I love you when I don't know if I love myself? So that
1: was what happened to me. That's amazing. That's really, really amazing. Um, I, think, I think that's really powerful. And I'm actually qu- questioning how comfortable <laughs> I'd be doing it with myself, honestly, because I think as well... I was thinking when you are saying it, I think it's probably something you have to keep doing as well. It's not like one day works. It has to be an ongoing process. I do it every day. Exactly,
2: of acceptance. I do it every day. The acceptance, because so many things sort of strip us. Mm. Every day you get something stripping you off, the odd word that somebody says to you, because words actually stick. Mm. So somebody says the wrong word to you, it sticks. You might think it doesn't stick, but... It sticks, it goes into our clothes, it goes everywhere and it gets to a point where it goes into you. So I'm very careful the words that I use to my daughter. Sometimes I get really angry with them and I want to say crazy things to them. But I have to pull myself back and think, okay, what am I saying to this child? So if you look at my brand, everything I say, I have customers that drive me crazy. You know, I have people that... But I have to think, if I should say this to this woman, you know, what am I, what am I saying to her? I'll give mm. you an example. I got an email from a customer who said um, she bought almost £600 worth of stuff in three different transactions. She sent me an email to say, I'm sorry, I've got to return everything. Now everything she's going to return will cost me money to restock. Yeah. Because somebody has to iron it. Somebody has to, you know, the electricity. It comes to £17 an item to, you know, so for every £600 worth of stuff that she's returning, costs me money. That is not a problem because it's built into the cost. However, I wanted to know why. So I said to her, are you okay? I could sense from the email that she wasn't Okay. So I gave her a call because she left her telephone number. And she broke down and started crying. She's got a shopping addiction problem. And the husband, during lockdown, kicked her out of the house. And she was with her parents. And she was in tears. I was angry with her for returning all the stuff. But I had to put my anger away and speak to her about... I said, look, we all have our issues. Yours is obvious because... It's shopping. Your husband can pick up on it. Mine could be alcohol. Mine could be anger. We all have this thing. So for you, this is it. I hope you find peace. And I told her to return the things. But I had to ban her from my shop. After I got the things back, I said, please don't shop with me anymore. And I'll advise you not. That is me putting boundaries at the same time. Yes, I've been kind to you. But I've got to put boundaries in place. So... Going back to, you know, I, th- I think I could empathise with her and I didn't want to say the wrong thing because me saying the wrong thing at that particular time could have damaged her for life. Just yeah. the wrong word. But yeah. I didn't want to. I had to... Something told me, this is not right.
1: Yeah, well, also, th- but what you did as well is that um, you actually ha- probably really helped her in something that she, to understand that... The shopping thing is not just a faceless, yeah. amorphous blob. It's actually real people. Real. There's a real cause and effect. Yeah, and she might. That might actually help her to start to break down some of that because probably up until now that had been a safe place to put away things that she couldn't deal with in another way. Yeah. so that might that might actually be quite a big turning point and probably quite so shocking for us as well. <laughs> gets, I mean, she's the actual person. She's she, uh, well, uh, she wanted to understand what well, you know. She means.
2: said something profound to me. She said. I've never felt good enough. I remember when I didn't feel good enough, but I don't know what my addiction was. I think my addiction was anger. You know, before my husband, you know, opens the door, I'm already screaming. My neighbors know me because they can hear my big Nigerian voice shouting at my beautiful husband. You know, that was my thing. You know, for her, that is her thing. That is, what, that is how she could deal with not being good enough. Mm. But luckily for me, I found a way out of it.
1: So how did you find that way out of it? Just
2: by looking at myself in that, that mirror thing mm. helps me. Looking at myself in the mirror and just realising, actually, you are not bad. Actually, you are. And that, 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 that process led me to finding my path. And I started writing. I started writing about me mm. on a blog post.
1: And who were you intending on that, seeing that, or did it not really matter? It
2: didn't really matter. I, I felt that was my therapy. Mm. And that is another thing that saved me, the writing. that It got to a point where I stopped writing about me. Because I felt that my issues had been sorted then motherhood they started writing about motherhood and that got sorted as well how to bring up my kids mm-hmm. and i was writing a blog about parenting then that gave birth to this because i was looking for a way to monetize my parenting blog but no brand wanted to walk uh, wanted to work with me so I looked for a way to monetize it, and I launched with £50. Pounds. I just thought, okay, I'm going to invest £50 pounds into tote bags. Looked for a local uh, printer. Actually, I can remember going to the guys who print my children's uniforms. Uh-huh. And I said, can you print on a bag? And he said, yeah. So I I didn't even write to anybody. I get emails most of the time, people asking me, can you Can you?" tell me who your supplier is or can you advise me and I'm thinking no not because I don't want to do it because when you do it yourself you learn everything you know the steps instead of me giving it to you on a platter
1: yeah but also those it doesn't really work like that sometimes does it it? even if someone shows you all the steps if you're not of engaging in yeah. every step of it. You probably, it, it, it you'll get to work. the end of that and then go to someone, okay, now what do I do now? Now yeah, what do I do next? Yeah, you've got to be sort of the one climbing the rope, really, haven't you? Yeah, so people
2: do that to me and I can remember on a Saturday, um, my husband was looking after the kids and I went into the bedroom with my laptop and I was researching tote bags and selfish mother was there and I thought, should I email her to find out? And I thought, that would be rude. Why would you email somebody who has worked so hard for her brand, that, can you help me? And I can remember buying um, um, buying tote bags and trying them out. And that was how it started, with that £50, pounds, you know. And I, I it, Graham was a guy who was printing, oh, we fell out a lot. We were like married couples because <laughs> he kept on making a lot of mistakes, you know. But he was the person that... You know, helped my business grow. You know, by saying, "Okay, I'll do it for you," and it would take ten totes. I only have ten totes, and I'll put it on my website, and then just sell out. Then I run back to Graham again, and it got to a point that I'd grown Graham because Graham was not growing with my business anymore. So I looked for somebody else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then one step, one step. Yeah. So, am I talking too much? No, absolutely not. No, I've just, my head is full of questions. No, not at all. It's it's fascinating. I'm just so when you done the tote bags, what, what where did that go from to the to the they clothing? They moved
2: into pouches. Pouches. Okay. So with pouches, I noticed that okay, enough women have tote bags, and mm-hmm. the tote bag, the first thing I printed was it, on it was I am enough. Those were the words that saved me when I was looking in the mirror. And I felt some women needed that. Mm. So I am enough was everywhere on Instagram. Everybody was kind of, I am am enough. Then I went on to different slogans, Mama Queen. I went on to so many things. And I felt people wanted more. You sort of feel it. Yeah. People wanted more. So I did these pouches, like um, evening bags. Mm -hmm. And uh, Graham was still printing for me then. He would get, you know, gold, silver, printed on bags you know just little top canvas bags that women can take out or you can put your children's stuff in it to to go out but they were really beautiful then I'd grown that again you sort of know when people want more yeah then I went into jewellery oh okay so I um researched jewellery how can I get nickel free jewellery I went into that. Then I outgrew that again. Even Mm -hmm. with the slogans, it was doing really well. Then, as I said, the universe has a way of telling you different things if you're ready to listen. Mm. Anytime that I went into T-shirts, I I said printing T-shirts. So anytime I'm taking, you know, I'm taking a photograph with my tote bag or with my um, pouches or with my jewellery, People kept on doing something that was that was quite annoying to me, but I did not know the way it helping me. <laughs> so I'll be wearing a Nigerian print, a wax print, or a vintage skirt. I never used to shop in the normal shops. I just used to wear very unique pieces. And they'll be like, it's of them to ask me, Yvonne, I love your t-shirt, where can I buy it? They're asking me about my skirt. And that used to annoy me because I wanted to sell. Yeah. But they kept on asking me about my skirt and they kept on doing it. And I thought, okay. I remember one morning I was meditating and something said, Yvonne, you've got to do skirts. But I didn't know where to start. Then I did my research again. I can remember telling my husband, oh, before I moved to skirts, I was selling vintage pieces. So there was a place in um, near Kingston where I used to go to, they do wholesale vintage. I just wanted to try out because people kept on asking me about my skirt. Yeah. But I noticed that by the time I put it online, it sold out. So for days, I didn't have anything yeah. to sell. So I thought, what is it about my personality? People saw me as a Nigerian woman. What is it that I can inject into my business? Yeah. And I was meditating one morning and I thought... Everything Nigerians wear wax. We are colourful. We love wax, you know, the yep. prints. So I thought, okay, I can remember telling my husband, because when I told him about the vintage things, he was like, you can scale that. How are you going to do it? You would just be, you know, you yeah. never make um, any money out of that. And I thought, I will show you. And from there, you know, I went into um, the wax prints. And I can remember the first day I wore the sample, and people on the train kept on stopping me to say, where did you get that from? I knew I had something because I was going for, um, Selfish Mother had something in um, Kingston and she had invited me or Richmond, she had invited me and I wore that with her t-shirt and people didn't stop asking me. So I knew,
1: Yeah, I knew I had something. And it's so distinct, I mean, everything I'm looking at here in the warehouse, um, I would know it was one of your designs, definitely. And I can spot them a mile off when I see them on Instagram or out and about, definitely. It's such a sort of clear... But I mean, even though there's... A, I can't even count how many different patterns we've got in here. But I, can, I can tell they're yours. People say that. They see it and they'll be like, that's, that's
2: Kemi Telford. And mm. women actually stop themselves on the street to say, that's Kemi Telford. Ah. Some actually take photos of each other they've never seen each other before oh, let's take a photo for Kemi Telford.
1: It does feel like joining a bit of a club, definitely. (laughs) And I wonder as well if it's like you've kind of given people all these, you know, other introverts out there a way of saying when they wear something like this, it's a way of messaging to people saying, you might not know everything about me at one glance. There might be more, more layers than yeah, you think. Yeah. Which is really a, a lovely feeling if you have that, if yeah. you, something you can put on. So it just gives that <laughs> message to the world. How did your husband and your family feel about this sort of journey you've been on? Do you know something? When I started, I
2: never allowed people to give me permission to do what I want to do in saying that my husband without my husband I have the kindest husband I can remember when I met him I knew that was my husband I, I just knew it I sat across and I saw the most beautiful person you know so I he's a very kind person and without him I don't think I would have come this far because you need somebody there to support you You know, if he was somebody that was not supportive, I would be, you know, I would really struggle. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I, with with men, I'm sorry to generalize, you need to tell them what you want because they just don't know. So with my husband, I've said, can you, and that did not come easy because I see my mother doing stuff for my dad. And I, that was what I saw her cooking all the time, cleaning, washing, doing everything for him. Mm. And he never did anything. So that was what I grew up seeing. So I felt that was what I was meant to do. But starting this business, I sort of, you see, I've rambled on now. What was the question again?
1: Just asking about how it is for them, because obviously when you got together with your husband and the first seven years of your children's life, you were living a slightly, you were sort of on a a journey to get into what feels like... Now, a place where you feel like I can see myself, this is me, and I can I understand where I, what I was supposed to be doing all this time.
2: Okay, I'll, I will tell you something that is amazing. My husband is a very high earner, right? And when I was not working, he never really made me feel bad about money. I had an allowance. Now I earn far more than him. My business earns. Far more than, I mean, he looks, I mean, what he earns in a year, this business brings in, in like two or three weeks.
1: That's his yearly salary. Big thumbs up.
2: <laughs> so, things have sort of changed. Mm. He's still working. He's still very supportive of, of me. And he doesn't have an ounce of jealousy. He tells every single person about what, I, I feel so emotional thinking about this, about what his wife has achieved when he comes here and is having a meeting before we went into lockdown and the girls and I moved in here and before the girls stopped school. He will have meetings and he will be showing everybody around. Every he, he just shouts about what I've achieved. Yeah. To everybody that wants to hear.
1: Well, that's true. That's proper love, isn't it? That's when someone can actually let you do that. I think
2: he he he's he's. Um, yeah, John John is special. And I think I, I think um I don't I don't know. I, I don't know what I think, but in that aspect I'm blessed as well mm. that I don't have a man competing with me.
1: Yeah, no, Thinking God, my uh,
2: wife is doing better than me.
1: Yeah. No, he just wants you to, to celebrate what you've done. I yeah. saw a post you put up recently where I think your family had given you a, a clock that has your Instagram <laughs> follower. To, so they're obviously quite quite keen to join in on the the celebration of all you've achieved
2: yeah my 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 daughters my my daughter i think i i love the fact that my daughters can see what i'm doing they're really involved in the business so the photos that you see on my website my husband and my daughters take that um i've never used a photographer i i only use myself as a model because Mm. i want women to see that you know a woman like me can you know you can you you know and that actually me being the model was actually a mistake because i couldn't afford a, a model and they taking the photograph was a mistake as well because I couldn't afford a photographer. Mm-hmm. So with my kids, when they come up from school, after picking up in school, I give them my mobile phone and say, take a photo. And that was for Instagram. Now they know how to handle the camera. Yeah. They know about fabrics. When you talk to them about fabrics, they know because it's now like a family affair. Yeah, And when they wake up in the morning, hello, darling, how are you? Do you want a cup of tea? And I'm like, no. And the next thing I start showing them fabrics and <laughs> yeah. talking to them about fabrics. Because I'm so passionate about it. And yeah. there was a day they said, oh, mommy, all oh, what you talk about is just fabrics. So they're actually involved in it. And um,
1: yeah. So must feel, do you think they were having a very different upbringing from the one that you had?
2: Yes, completely different, completely different. I think my children will understand business. I think my children will understand empathy. I think my children... Um, because my circumstances taught me empathy. Mm. But my children actually see me practice it. Yeah. I have this thing where... I want to do... You know when you want to do something really nasty, but your soul can't let you do it. Yeah. Because... you It's not just you. It's not in your core. So my children see that about me where... As much as somebody annoys me and I want to do something really nasty, I can't do it because it's not, I I just can't do it. So if they know that, I have this thing, people ask me, even when no one is watching, what are you doing? Are you, who are you? Mm. So I want them, I I think they will have that consistency in their lives because that's the way they've been nurtured. I know they will make mistakes. But that core, that seed that's been sown in them, that's, I want them to be decent human beings. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether they have money. Yes, money makes things easier. It's important. But manners, that will get you places and kindness. Mm. I'm not talking about niceness. That's a different thing. That's yes. when what, you become like a footmat. That's what Nigerians call, you know, a footmat. What yeah. what, what do the English people call mat. it? A doormat. We yeah. call it footmat. Yeah. You know, I don't want them to be that. That's when you, you have no boundaries. Yeah. And then you now resent the niceness you've done. Yeah. Um, so I think my upbringing, the circumstances of my upbringing, my mother dying at a young age, me fending for myself, coming to England by myself, all those circumstances taught me empathy. Mm. But, My parents did not teach me that. But I'm teaching my children by what I do.
1: Yeah. They see it. Yeah. And presumably as well, the the sort of conversations that you have about what, as you say, like what jobs they might do, what career they might go into That's very different to how how things were spoken to you when you were younger.
2: Yes. uh, with, With my older daughter, I... I fell into a trap, which, you know, with your first child, you make a lot of mistakes with your first child. But yes. I, I call her favorite daughter number one. Now, favorite daughter number one is like, you know, my lab. Is it lab rats? Yes. Is that what they call them? Yeah, lab rat. Yeah. She's like my lab rat. You know, the child <laughs> that I used to make all my mistakes, I don't make it with the second child because I've learned with the first one. Yeah. I remember when she was doing that 11 plus, it wasn't for her. And as a Nigerian mom, I can remember. Um, remember banging on about it. You must pass this exam or you're not coming back to this house. You know, I can remember doing all that to her. Mm. And one day, I just saw a girl that wasn't my daughter anymore. And I can remember having a very difficult conversation with her. And I can remember saying, I'm sorry, I got this wrong. I had to apologize for her. I had to start building her up again. Because I was the one that bashed her down, and we're still going through that process with the second daughter. I did not do that. Mm. I can I, I I I stopped tutoring them. The second one just did the exam and she passed it by
1: herself. Mm. Yeah, no, the academic route is really tricky for kids that aren't that shape. It's like yeah, um, and I think it's really hard to let go of that feeling of how hard are you supposed to push? How much is it down to us as the parent to? Yeah. Help them, you know, get the right discipline or work the right l heart. And some kids it's just as you say, it's just not it's not gonna it work out. It her. just make them really unhappy.
2: It made her really sad. It made that now she's in an amazing school and she is thriving and she is doing really well. She's in the top set, she is really hard working. She is disciplined, she is she's just an amazing human being. Mm. And if I had sent her to the school where she's not meant to be, I don't think she'll be, uh, she, she, she'll be who she is right now. Yeah. Um, that it was me listening to the universe again, saying, this is not for her. Yeah. Why are you doing this? I was doing it for me. I was doing what every other mother was doing around here, grammar school. Yeah. You know, I yeah. want my daughter. And immediately you, one of your daughters go to grammar school. You feel you've done something, not for the child. Yeah but for you. Mm. So I was doing it for me, not for my daughter until, again, I was meditating and I saw I just couldn't, she wasn't herself anymore. And it's been nagging at me. And I thought, okay, this has got to stop. She did the exam. She did really well. She did the first set. She passed it. But the second she didn't. And I just knew, okay, this is taken out of my hands. I asked her before she did the exams, do you really want to do this? She said, I've worked this hard. I better, you know, do it. But even though she had passed it, I don't think I would have sent her to that school because it wasn't for her. She would have been very unhappy. Yeah. I know I know that.
1: Yeah, and do you think for them there was ever any point when you were, went from... <sighs> being a very available mum for the bit when they were younger to having this bit where you thought, no, I need to have some more boundaries and some time for myself. Was there ever any, any guilt from you or no. any resentment from them? No. Oh, or, no. No, I think I already knew the answer to that question. Oh, <laughs>
2: no. Oh, no. When, when I was with them full-time, I was, un- I was unhappy. They knew oh, it. Yeah. They knew that yeah. mummy is always yelling and shouting. She's not happy. You know, they knew it. And Admittedly, I started doing my thing. They're happier. My husband is happier. Yeah. And I did not feel an ounce of guilt. You know when women say, I feel guilty. I don't feel that. That must be wonderful. It's wonderful. I don't feel it. Because I'd given them time. Undiluted time.
1: Yeah.
2: I'd invested everything into them. And when they need me, they know they are with me. I have conversations with my daughters. I I can remember. I I just, I reassure them all the time. No matter how busy I am, I want you to be able to come to me. Don't go to your friends because they don't know anything. So there was a time they were talking about um, rights, abortion rights in Ireland. I think that was last summer sometime. And we were driving somewhere. And my daughter, my younger younger daughter said, what is abortion? And I, I parked the car and I was explaining to them. And I said to them, if you ever get into any kind of trouble, come to me. I'm your mother. Yes, I said, number one, I've got the resources to sort any problem out for you. Number two, we'll talk about it. Number three... Don't go to your friends. Please come to your mother. That is a way of me reassuring my daughters that you would get into trouble as a teenager. I, just just come to me. Mm-hmm. Don't think you can't come to me because you think I'm unavailable or I, I, I'm I not there to listen or I'm running a business. Or, j- please. I, I, And every time I keep telling them, I reassure them all the time. Come to me. And I hope they do. Sometimes they do. When they're in trouble in school, they come to me. Sometimes they just say some things, and I feel really glad that my daughters can actually say things to me that I couldn't say to my parents. And I think reassuring them, especially as girls, is um, something that my parents... uh, You know, my parents did not really reassure me. And I made a lot of mistakes because I couldn't go to my parents Mm. to talk to them. So I make it a point to tell my daughters please come to me Mm. don't go to your friends because they are not experiencing life what do they know you know they are the same age as you just just come to me and I've told them again they have some aunties if they think I'm going to go crazy (laughs) with the mistake they've made
1: yeah they've got some aunties that they can go and talk to yeah no having that counsel around you especially when you go through teenage years and all that is so vital yeah communication keeping the communication open is like the number one thing i think actually with making that that age go smoother than it could do otherwise (laughs) yeah because otherwise sometimes walls come up between parents and kids going through that stage in their life that don't actually really come down again if if you're not able to have those open conversations i think which is quite a scary idea um well, this, I, mean, I think it would be really strange if I didn't ask you about some of the things that have been going on in the news, given that there's so much emphasis at the moment about black-owned businesses. Mm. Now, I would never assume you're a spokesperson for that, but is it something that you feel has affected you? or the? I mean, there's obviously such a significant change in how people are talking about racism and now being anti-racist, and um, there's a lot more awareness i suppose in terms of how the forum is split with black business women and, and men how are they given opportunity to talk about what they're up to is it something that you you've thought about before everything's no, going on you see what, again because i grew up this so,
2: so the different things happening here um i grew up in nigeria and as a nigeria they ground you in your blackness what does so that mean, they ground they you in your blood? They ground job. you in the sense that you are... Ah, There's something about Nigerians. People think they're arrogant about knowing themselves. So from a very young age, your parents would be telling you who you are, whose child you are. So it, 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 they they just teach you to be not arrogant to be confident in yourself so when i left nigeria to come here i was the daughter of bumi ogumbe you know a nigerian Mm -hmm. i never saw myself as a black woman i saw myself as a nigerian Mm -hmm. but when i came to england i became After some years, I still saw myself as a Nigerian. Mm -hmm. But some things happened that made me see myself as a black woman in England. And that is just lately that I started seeing myself as a black woman. Because that Nigerian thing was telling me that even if somebody was racist towards me, because of my, not arrogance, because of my, because I know who I am, I just used to miss it. Do, do you understand? Because yeah, I do, actually. I, I just did not see it. Yeah. But I, I I went to a place, and I wrote about this with my boss. We went to this house um, in London, this massive house that they have to scan you before you go in somebody's house. And my boss did not tell me this. We went there and before the meeting started, he told me to go and sit with the maids in the maid's kitchen. Later on, I found out that the owner of the house wouldn't have tolerated seeing a black woman there. What? Yes. So that happened to me. However, however... I remember I did not tolerate that. I remember picking up the phone and speaking to my husband. Immediately it happened, went back to the office. And my husband said, you've got to leave. You have to leave. And I left. I can remember getting on the the train and um, leaving. I left. Um, But saying that, I think it's about time. Another thing happened where a woman i i, I guess with me because I, I I get some kind of privilege being a Nigerian because my accent is different, so people treat me differently, but when I speak to my friends who are british born they have a different experience from me. when you speak to um, black women that have French accent they 're treated differently compared to people that are born in England. Mm. Black women that are born in England. So for me, it, ha- it, it has affected me, even, even with my business on Instagram, you can see some things, but because I know who I am, I know whose I am.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I just shove it off. But I think it's about time for my children, for other people who look like me. I think it's about time things changed.:
1: Is it something your girls talk about at home much or? My
2: children don't talk about it, because my children are a mix of two. So my husband is white. And my my children don't even see their father as white. They don't see me. They see me as a Nigerian woman because I'm always banging on about Nigeria. You know, (laughs) I talk about Nigeria all the time. So, you know, they they see their mother as a Nigerian woman. But my children have never, I think with the younger generation, because the younger generation fighting this battle, the younger generation don't really see what the adults see. I think that's very true. The younger generation don't see race. They know that yes, you're black, you're white, but we're all the same. We're all from the same source. Mm. So I think with the younger generation, it's different. Yeah, I think with it's our generation different. and the people older than us, I think until when things are going to change a bit, but until when our generation dies off?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think there's there's a. I think it is something. I I had the conversation with my eleven year old the other night, and it was. I realised so much. It was so sort of nuanced and subtle, and actually really hard to explain to a child who still sees things. When kids, kids are born with quite an innate sense of fairness and being just, and they, 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 it doesn't really occur to them. It it is a learned behaviour. It definitely is. I think it's it's probably my generation and up that really yeah. i've got I've got more more work to do really,
2: yeah, and I think most of us with most of us without even know it well, some people know it and they pass it on to their kids, yeah, some people know it, yeah, but most of us don't even know it that we pass it on to our kids, so it's a learned behavior, but yeah. when parents are Loving and uh, you know, are kind to people, children pick up on that. And children actually know when they're not being nice to another child, definitely, they, they know that, except they've got really messed up parents at home. Because when you have messed up parents, you're messed up yourself, yeah. Y- you know, so I think with the younger generation, and they are the ones that have been fighting this battle, not the older ones. The older ones, you know, were yes, we, we want things to change. But I think with the older generation, like any, everything, we're comfortable, you know. But with the younger generation, they are the ones that took to the streets. So they are the ones that really would make the change. Yeah. Th- that's what I believe. But I don't know. I don't know how to answer this question. I think you answered for, it brilliantly. Because for my brand, I've always been, people know... Who owns the brand Mm. and they've still supported me and they still, I think people see the soul of things. So I think people that buy from me see my soul. They see Yvonne. Yeah. Uh, They don't see my color. Some people do see my color, but the people that come to
1: me to buy from me see a soul. I think that's that completely I think that's that's the intrinsic part of I mean obviously your clothes are beautiful and gorgeous to look at and they're celebratory but actually I genuinely feel like it's a it's a little club you become a part of as well when you yeah. when you own a piece of your clothing or you recognize it when you're out and about and I think I think you're you say your your soul, your the things that you've learned are so intrinsic, is it? And it's it's from the moment you first follow you on Instagram or any any interaction you have, it's it's imbued in, in all of it. And I think it all seems to come back to the significance of the first thing you printed: that I am enough. That I am enough. It's so. I can see how much you hope that that's that's the woman that's out there is understanding that and taking that from from that. <sighs> Yeah, I hope so. I think they are. And I think that that thing about the the epiphany of being able to look at yourself in the mirror and actually just say, I love you. I love you for who you are right now. And I, I honestly, I feel like um, I wish more people, I think you should do a TED talk or something. I feel like more people should that because there's so many ways that we can make ourselves invisible. Yeah. And it can be the oblivion of an addiction that drowns out the noise, but it can also be... Actually, by draping yourself in that the businesswoman suit with the handbag and becoming that person, or having the kids on you so you can't talk about yourself because you put it all yeah. into your kids, or um, the way that your relationship with food, then you make yourself invisible in a physical way. There's so many, so many ways, so many ways to yeah. disappear. Um, but if you, we only get one life, so you, everybody it has the should have the platform to be to be seen. Yeah. And if, if, if for no one else, for yourself. Yeah, and I think
2: people wouldn't see you if you don't see yourself. It, it, it's just impossible. There's a Nigerian proverb that says, if the, the, there's something called a calabash. Do you know what a calabash is? I don't know what a calabash is. <laughs> a calabash <laughs> is like, it's a plant, right? Yeah. You dry it, it's like, um, it's as big as um, watermelon. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you dry it, mm-hmm. you scoop out what is inside and you make a bowl out of it. It's like um a, a ceramic bowl. Yeah. You know, but made out of plant. Yeah. I have an image in my can, head. You can sort of it's but... like you can sort of, you know, t- uh, do anything with it, like eat from it. It's 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 a bowl. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And they say if you use your uh calabash to pack rubbish people will help you pack rubbish with it. So basically, if you say... Have you heard women say something like, uh, they're making me sick. Oh, I'm so stupid. Yeah, I, I'm one of those people. Oh, please don't tell me. I, I can't believe it. No, I'm
1: trying to iron it out. I've heard my kids do it, and i said, you've got to stop doing it. I know it comes from me. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine saying that to myself. Or, oh, I'm so silly. Or,
2: people will start calling you stupid and silly, and where do you tell them to please stop? Yeah. Because you have called yourself silly and stupid. So there are some things I wouldn't even say to myself. I just wouldn't do it. Mm. And there's a boundary. And that means it put, I put a boundary there for people not to cross it. Even on my Instagram pa- uh, uh, page, if you notice, the women are so respectful to each other because there's already a boundary there. Yeah. You, there's a boundary you just don't cross, you know. So for me, I don't know. I hope women can see the power that they have. Women have amazing power. Mm. That's why I talked about when a mother is no longer here, the effect it has on the child, because we are so powerful. Mm. So there are some things you can't even say to yourself. You shouldn't allow people to say to you. And immediately you start seeing yourself, as an amazing human being, because we are,
1: mm. then people will start seeing you as amazing. Well, I think what's really incredible, not just that that's such a powerful and beautiful thing for people to to be inspired by, but also the fact that you feel like you didn't live your life like that, you actually were able to change it. Yeah. Because for a lot of people, you'd think, oh, but I've been, I've been like that for... 30, 40 years. But that's an excuse, don't you think? Yeah, I think it can be an excuse or just feel a bit insurmountable, but it's really encouraging to think it's not... Today still can be the day that you yeah. you shift that. It's hard. I won't, I won't lie to you. It's hard work yeah. for you to change
2: who you've always been. Mm. But it can be done. If someone like me can change it, and I should even, you know... I. It, it, I can't even tell you what I've been through in life, you know, but if I can change it, then anybody can do it. It's just baby steps. Baby step, you know, look in the mirror, you can't look, run away like I did the first day. And it took seven months for me to be able to look at myself, you know, seven months. Can yeah. you imagine if I'd given up? But every morning, I went in there. Every morning, I went in there. Every single morning, I went in there. I wasn't going to give up because I knew I was doing it for me and I was doing it for my girls. But mostly for me, I don't want my girls to be messed up. Even though they're going to be messed up, I don't want to be, yes, I've messed them up a bit, but I don't want to be the person who totally messed mess them up. I just had to do it for me.
1: Well, you have, you have. I mean, I, it's funny when we had our brief chats the other day before um, making our plan to meet today. I, uh, I knew I'd leave here with a, with, with. So I knew I'd come out of it feeling like I'd learnt something from you because I could hear it in your voice down the phone, and I think. Um, I think honestly, I, I, you've given me so much to think about. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's wonderful. No, Excuse don't apologise. It's significant because I think it's very easy to sweep a lot of yourself out of the way, actually, and you think you're doing it to be a people pleaser and to satisfy, make everybody else happy. But actually, no one's going to give you a big pat on the back for for making yourself disappear. Actually, they'll just they'll just keep doing it to you. Yeah, and it, it it's a really big turning point to start recognizing that and you know look if you want to live your life as a martyr and be like be sort of put upon that's another thing but what, if what is that a pot, what's a put upon well, no, if, if you're put up, i mean i know some people where they'll take sorry on. i'm that's no, no, I, sorry, it. <laughs> it's not as exciting as the plant and the but it's no, if you're like, <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm saying if you're if you're someone that's a martyr to it, you know, you meet some people yeah. where they'll say, "Oh well, don't worry about me. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to do this and I'm happy to do that." But they'll sort of tell you all the good deeds they've done, and they're quite happy that they've sort of <laughs> yeah done to, all these to be good in that role yeah. of sort of oh well, oh no, don't worry, I'll tidy the mess and I'll do this and I'll do that. But then they also kind of want you to say, "Oh, you're being amazing yeah. for it." Like if that's if that's your thing, that's a sort of separate thing. But I think if you're just someone that is letting yourself be weighed down by being the go to for everything else i think it's really important to, to to redraw your boundaries and to start it with yourself and uh i honestly feel like i've i've got a little bit of work to do maybe in a good way though i'm quite, i feel optimistic rather than yeah. i think it's positive i don't think it's i don't think it's a uh, it's think not we'll heavy have, boots. i i think we'll have you
2: know i think that they there's <laughs> For me, I always feel, every day, as I'm sitting here with you, I'm learning. Yeah. We all learn from each other. I'm learning. I'm learning so much. I think the day we stop learning is the day that we fail. We've got to be able to learn something from each other. You know, uh, what is the point of living if you're not going to improve?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So we're learning we that, that's that's life you have to learn you except do. you're dead
1: oh <laughs> between now and then <laughs> in the meantime can I help you with any of your orders today no, I'm f- no. honestly I'm fine I'll, I'll, I'll
2: be fine the postman <laughs> would take what he can take yeah. my, my customers will be
1: patient thank you oh thank you so much for your thank time you, today thank you thank oh you.
2: thank you so much oh, we talked so you. much, we talk so we much didn't we we did it's good
1: <laughs> I told you Yvonne was full of wisdom. Isn't that amazing? Honestly, her chat is the one I've told all my girlfriends they have to listen to. Look, I've been speaking to so many amazing women. And if I've learned anything, and I haven't learned just one thing, I've learned loads, but the overriding thing I've learned through talking to all these people is just never, ever judge. Everybody's got their own things going on. But with Yvonne, I just think that whole thing of looking at yourself in the mirror and liking yourself, loving yourself, thinking you're worthy of people talking to you nicely and being decent and respectful and taking your ideas further and being confident. That is just so powerful. It sounds so simple, but I don't know if that's really even something I thought about with myself. You know, I feel like I, there are versions of me I got quite happy with. Like, I'd look back and go, actually, I didn't really mind me at 27. Or, I mean, I remember thinking when I was 36, oh yeah, 36 was a good year for me. That was five years ago. I've got to remind myself to actually take stock of where I'm at now and what's important to me now. Um, so I hope I hope you can take a little bit of that with you because I honestly think for some people that is going to be a bit of a pivotal moment, just like it was for Yvonne when she first heard it. Um, yeah, that's a nice thought, isn't it? To empower yourself. Uh, next week, I'm talking to Jacqueline Gold. She is CEO of Anne Summers, so an incredible, successful businesswoman but her path there has not been smooth, has not been easy. And she's one of those people that's just got... Um, she, she's just able to be very commanding and very clear with her thinking and her ability to convey what she's thinking, but never been pushy. And I think she is a brilliant example of a woman in the business world where you feel like you've got to, you know, make a big noise to be heard naturally, being a little bit more steady, a little bit more considered get the job done too she was really lovely so i'm looking forward to hearing that and uh yeah that's us for this week take care of yourself go and try the thing of looking in the mirror and say i love you i dare you uh you can overcome your bashfulness and you might just realize actually you're pretty special too all right i'll leave you with that thought lots of love see you soon